All right, good morning. It's good to see everybody uh, this morning. It's a special day for us that we recognize our graduating seniors and um, looking forward to talking with them in just a few moments. I want to welcome all of those that are here today that are visiting with us, especially those that are here um, for the graduation today in terms of um, being there for your child or your grandchild or uh, aunt, uncle, whatever it is, we're thrilled that you're here to be a part of our service uh, today. Um, I wanted to make mention also, are there any college graduates this year? Any college graduates? I know that part, but <clears throat> any other college graduates? We have one college graduate. His name is Robbie Roberts. Robbie, you stand. If he doesn't look young, he isn't, all right? <laughs> but he graduated yesterday from Grace School of Theology with a Master of Ministry degree, and we're certainly uh, proud of Robbie and all his work and his effort. So we appreciate him very much. Um, this morning, uh, our, one of our youth leaders, uh, David Albright, who does the bulk of the teaching in the youth ministry, is going to come up now, and he's going to... Um, introduce the seniors, and I think he has a few things he wants to say. So you come up, David. Good morning. As Thad mentioned, this is the time of the year that we recognize our graduating seniors. And this year we have 10 seniors, I think, <clears throat> This may be the largest class that, that we've ever had, and we have nine of them that are here today. So if you would, guys, if y'all would come on up, and also the youth leaders as well, if y'all would just come up, please. This is really a very special group of young men and women. And we as youth leaders have been very encouraged and impressed with their overall commitment to the youth ministry. You know, there's a term that uh, Jenny reminded me of when we were talking uh, that we've used over the years that we have called senioritis. And what that is is where you see a drop-off in attendance um, from some of the teenagers as they get older. And I must say, as a whole, this has not been the case with these young people. They have been consistent, not only by coming to youth group on Wednesday nights, but also in working with the younger kids that we have that are coming into the ministry. These guys, and this is what's been so encouraging, they have really shown a hunger and a desire for the Word of God to the point that they themselves have, have organized Bible studies. This wasn't brought forth by the youth leaders. This was brought forth by our young people. Um, they've also 
we've had these young people that have stepped up to lead worship in song and music because they love the Lord and they want to worship Him. So we, as youth leaders, have truly seen the evidence of the fruit that has been displayed in their lives as they grow in Christ. And so this has been a tremendous encouragement for all of us who work with the youth. It's been an encouragement to see that a true commitment to Jesus Christ. You know, some of these kids go off to college and others begin their career, um, as we all know, that are older, they're going to face tremendous challenges. And um, so with that said, I wanted to read a little bit of scripture to you, and it's in chapter 2 in the book of Colossians. And the apostle Paul, he warns the church to not be deceived by the philosophy of men. So in chapter 2, verses 4 through 9, in Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, this is what he writes. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And here's the warning. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him, meaning the Lord Jesus, in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. So what a great reminder for all of us that we are complete in Christ. We can do absolutely nothing apart from Him. And our youth need to know how important it is for them to be established in the faith. This is why we invest in our youth. This is why it's critical that our youth be taught sound doctrine and that they are rooted and grounded in the truth so that they're not carried away by every wind of doctrine. We give our seniors a study Bible for them to be reminded that it is the Word of God that is the foundation of the truth. And it is our prayer that it would be a daily, a daily part of their life as they continue to grow in His knowledge and seek out His will for their life. So with that said, I'd like to um, give out the Bibles. Um, we've got Luke Bonner. Where are the Bibles? Luke Bonner. Where is Luke? Go, brother. Thank you, man. Love you. you. <clears throat> you know, I'm not going to, um, to talk about each one of them, but I will say this, that three of the ten seniors that we have are youth that have been invited by other students. 
that have become a big part of our ministry, and, and Luke was one of those. And so, you know, we have tried to cultivate for these young people to invite their friends to come and, and hear the word. So I thought that was encouraging that three of the ten that we have actually uh, did not go to church here, but have been coming. A lot of them have. Uh, next, we have Abby Eubanks. And Allie Eubanks. Houston Hall. Brother Houston. Hunter Lankford. Savannah Laughlin. Christian Nichols. Love you, Christian. Leslie Pierce. Caitlin Stacy is not here today. I think she will be here for the luncheon. Uh, but that's one of the students that Pamela invited, and she has really um, been faithful to come when she can. And so we've really enjoyed having Caitlin in the youth ministry. And last but not least, uh, Pamela Stovall. Thank you, Pamela. So we're going to, uh, if you guys would, if you would, would uh, bow and let's pray for our for our youth. Dear gracious Father, we just come before you and we just want to thank you for these young people. I want to thank you, Lord, for their parents and the ones who have had the responsibility to to bring them up. Lord, we don't always know their backgrounds, but Lord, we know that you do. And God, I just thank you for what's been invested. Uh, in their lives, Lord, that they would be brought up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that they would be brought up, Lord, to focus on the truth of your word so that they might be grounded and rooted in your truth, Lord. So, Father, we just thank you for these people, Lord. I pray that they would continue to walk in your ways, Lord, that they would keep their eyes uh, on you, and, Lord, that they would hear your voice, and, Lord, you would guide and direct them. Each of us that, have, um, that are older, we, we know that the temptations of the world are many, and uh, we know that the world has a different philosophy uh, for those um, who are born again, for those who have relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that you have separated us to walk in a different way, Lord, to walk in that narrow path, Lord. So I pray, God, that you would strengthen them. I pray, Lord, that they would be reminded with these Bibles that this is not just something that needs to be just a part of their life, Lord. It needs to be the primary focus. And so, Lord, with that, we just pray and we ask, God, that you would bless them and their families. And we thank you in the Lord Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everyone.
Well, as David was speaking that in Colossians, it kind of fit with our music, and that's not by mistake. We, we tried to pick a couple songs this morning that carry on that theme of what we're going to build our life on, what we're standing on, as uh, these guys are, are moving on to a new chapter in their life. And so let's all stand and worship the Lord. You know, last, uh, last week we introduced, we closed the service by introducing a new song called Build My Life, and it fit today, and so we thought it'd be good to open with it this morning. trust in you alone and 
trust in you alone and I will not be shaken oh holy there is no one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and in your love to those around me, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken.
What can I say? What can I do? Offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. What can I say? What can I do? But offer this heart, oh God, completely to So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in all of the one who gave it all and I'll stand my soul Lord to you surrendered all I am is yours I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in all of the one who stand my soul Lord to you surrendered all I am is yours I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in all of the one who gave it all I'll stand my soul Lord to you surrendered love that song. It's got a tough message though. I mean everything that we have is his. All that we have. It's a tough one. I think it's important to begin this morning uh, for me with a thank you. Um, the students that graduate will take time, I hope, I hope, to thank their parents and their grandparents and all those who have had influence in their lives. And usually it's not till you get older that you realize just how much impact and influence a person's had. Um, but I want to take the time this morning before I start the message to thank um, the youth leaders. Um, hope I can do this, right? Um, I love all of them. 
When I was younger, I did youth ministry a good bit. And I know the energy that it takes. Um, you know, they go on these quote-unquote fun trips. <laughs> and they are fun. But there's a lot of energy required because students have energy. And while they have a good time, I know for our youth ministry, one of the things that I believe sets it apart and I'm not saying there aren't other good youth ministries, there are. But I know our leaders are committed to the Lord and to the Word of God. And it doesn't get better than that. So I want to thank David and Jenny. And Chris and Amanda. And Corey and Megan. And Tim and Jessica. And Lori Albright. And Emily Roberts. All right, enough crying. How about that? You read that? Says that dude, you're supposed to throw it straight up. You do see the dude laying down there on the ground, don't you? Um, if you uh, some of the seniors have already graduated, I know, but some graduate this week. So when you throw your hat up, that's where it's supposed to go up, not sideways. You don't want it to end up like that. I found that cartoon, and I laughed five minutes, and you barely laughed 30 seconds. <laughs> I guess when you're 54, you have a little bit different sense of humor. Because <laughs> you're getting older and you never know when you're going to take your last breath. <laughs> uh, I have a message for the seniors today, and, um, but it's for everybody. I prayed about this a long time and said, man, Lord, I just want you to guide me and show me. and um, you're going to attend graduation ceremony this week or if you've already done it and they're going to tell you you can be this and you can do that and you're the next generation and you're going to do this and you're going to do that and you're going to go, wow, how long is this person going to go on? And then you're going to clap and then you're going to walk across the stage and receive your diploma and it will be different. So I thought about what in the world could I share with these guys that will go with them for a lifetime and, and there's so much. But I've got a message for you to stay out of prison. <laughs> now, hold on a second. I mean, that was better than the, the other cartoon. And I paid 11 bucks for that cartoon. <laughs> You have copyright laws. I paid 11 bucks for that card. Don't want to send it back to them. Uh, the prison that I'm talking about is the prison of unforgiveness. It's one that will cross your plate more times than not. Forgiveness goes with us every single day of our lives. And if you're non-forgiving, it can eat you up. 
In fact, it can eat you up so much, it can affect you physically in ways you never thought possible. C.S. Lewis wrote this on forgiveness. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. It is easy to point out to others the importance of forgiveness, but difficult to examine where we are individually as it relates to forgiveness. How many times have you asked for forgiveness in your life? Young people, I'm here to tell you, you're going to ask for forgiveness a whole bunch. And you're going to want to be forgiven. And people are going to ask you for forgiveness a whole bunch. And you're going to want to be forgiven. I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to Ephesians in the fourth chapter. Ephesians chapter 4. As you're turning there, I want to show you this quote by Warren Wiersbe. (laughs) Boy, I thought this one was an excellent one. An unforgiving spirit is the devil's playground. And before long, it becomes the Christian's battleground. The devil's playground. You say, that's kind of an odd statement. Well, it's interesting that right before we get to verse 32 of Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul talks about what an unforgiving spirit looks like. There's a picture here that's given to us in verse 31 of this chapter. And it's very, very important that we take a look at verse 31 before we go to verse 32. And you need to have a picture here of a staircase. And each word that's that's, that's stated in verse 31 goes down. It's a step going in the wrong direction. The terms that are used are more and more destructive. I mean, how many in here this morning, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, are needing forgiveness from someone right now? This is what can happen. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Who in the world's he talking to? Class? Believers. Whoa. That makes me feel uncomfortable. How about you? Put away, he says, all these things. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, along with all malice. I wish I had time to teach the whole passage. But do you know why he's saying that to them? Several reasons, but one primary reason is because as believers, they're members of one another. They go together. It's the picture of locking arms. As believers, we go together. Isn't that a beautiful picture? We go together. And you're like, yeah, but I don't like that one over there. Then I'd say you better get with the Lord and make it right. 
And you better get with that person and make it right because you're going to find out today that God does not accept unforgiveness in the life of a believer. And there is huge consequence. And he illustrates it through this story in Matthew that's off the charts and you're going, oh my goodness. <laughs> Man, there was times during the last week or two I didn't want to do this message. I was like, hey, Lord, no forgiveness really for these graduates but it's for all of us isn't it let's look at verse 32 so he tells them in 31 put away from you all these things verse 32 he says be kind to one another I think I even have it up there. I do. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Wow, that's a little bit different from verse 31. Let me give you some opening thoughts about this particular section of Scripture. First of all, Paul reminds the church, because that's who he's writing to, believers, about the importance of renewing their mind and putting on the new self. Well, what does it mean to renew your mind? I'll tell you what it means in practice. Be careful what you put in your mind. <laughs> Be careful where your thoughts go. Young people, listen to me. This little gadget you have and I have, it's called a phone. You guys knew that, right? I'd love to see these teenagers try to do it, use a rotary phone. Well, you really had to make an effort when you wanted to date. I mean, you know. But these phones can get us in lots of trouble. Wouldn't you say that's true? And sometimes this baby can be an obstacle to renewing my mind. So Paul tells them, be careful what you put in your mind. In 17 through 24, and he says, he reminds them about the importance of renewing their mind and the importance of putting on the new self. And here's the picture of that. The picture of that is that we take off the old garments or the grave clothes, we do that, and we put on the grace garments or the new garments. Why? Because we're new creatures in Jesus Christ. We're different. We're not like the world. The world is all about unforgiveness and holding things against people. They do it all the time. They might even do it to you. But God doesn't want that for his church. Pretty hard stuff. But Paul gives detailed, or gives detailed instruction about that in verses 17 through 24. You can go home and read that this afternoon. That will be part of your homework. By the way, graduating seniors, you'll still have homework. I don't know what, you know. Did your teachers tell you that when they left? Like, some of you are going to college, you know that. Maybe you're not going to college. Guess what? You're still going to have homework. Isn't it awesome? That work part never leaves you. You get to work your whole life. Isn't that great? Paul gives detailed instructions as to the behavior of the believer. I have to read this part. Okay, 
Let's read this, verses 25 through 32, because it fits within the context. After he's told them to no longer walk like the Gentiles, which he says in the first part, after he tells them, hey, you didn't learn Christ in this way, you weren't taught like the pagans, you're new, you're different. Verse 35 says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor. Look here, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, you better deal with it before you go night-night. Because I want to tell you what happens. If you don't deal with that before you go night-night with another person, guess what's going to happen? You've just put that first brick to the house you're building. And another night goes by. And it's easy to do that. Because there's been many times... I know in my own life that I've crossed my arms and said, man, they need to come see me. You ever done that? Sure you have. We've all done it. He says here, and do not give the devil an opportunity because he'll take them. He says, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. So this Christian life's not about us. It's about our neighbors. It's about those that are members of one another, which is the body of Christ. Then I love verse 29. Let no unwholesome word, the word there is rotten. In the Greek language, let no rotten word proceed from your mouth. And he goes on a little bit further with this. He says, but only such a word that is good for edification. You know what that word means? It means to build up. According to the need of the moment, meaning you don't have to talk all the time. So that it will give grace to those who hear. That's a lot of instruction. Isn't it? For our lives. So Paul gives a lot of detail there. And then we see thirdly in the text that Paul makes it very clear that the believer, because he's writing to believers can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So the question becomes, look at verse 30. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. My friends, listen to me. That last part of that phrase, uh, verse is very important. You've been sealed as a believer until the day of redemption. No one can take your salvation from you. Once you have it, you have it. Isn't that great to know? Imagine, it, imagine salvation being works-based. Oh, my goodness. I'm thankful for grace. Now, grace does not give me a license to do what I want to do. It frees me to serve the God I love. But look at the first part of that. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. One might say, well, how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? In short, Sin. Sin grieves the Spirit of God who resides in you. And the last, these are just opening thoughts. Last opening thought, Paul's command to kindness, tenderness, and forgiveness stand in stark contrast to the list in verse 31. 
All right, so let's deal with verse 32 because that's where the forgiveness is. But you can't just skip right over to the forgiveness part. You got to deal with all of it. And you ought to know by now, because you've been listening to me for a while, seniors, I'm not going to skip it. If it's there, it's there. So let's deal with those first two phrases. Uh-oh. The first one is kindness. Look, verse 32, be kind to one another. Do you know what that means? It means to act kindly. It means to do something that is useful or serviceable for others. Now remember, this is in the context of believers dealing with believers. I like to study the words. So, this is a present tense command. Like, not giving you an option. Isn't that neat, seniors? Not, not even giving you an option. God saying to the believer, do this. Be kind to one another. It's an imperative. You've received imperatives before, have you not, seniors? Absolutely you have. Mom and dad say, do this. And you're like, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, right? Right? One more time, right? Typically, most people are kind of moving around whenever somebody gives them a command. We all do it. Guess what, seniors? You're going to do it when you're my age. Somebody tells you you do something, you're like, at this age, you're like, man, I already saw that coming. I know what I need to do. Any of you ever been there and done that? <laughs> Commands. Well, this is a command. Be kind. So it, it calls for them to do it immediately. No delay. And it calls for them to be their lifestyle. So your new lifestyle. Your new creation in Christ. You're different now. And the last, thing, or the last thing we see with kindness is the mood of the verb calls for initiation of kindness. Initiation of kindness. Isn't that cool? In other words, one looks for opportunities to express kindness. And by the way, that requires that you are involved in the lives of other people. Because if you're going to express kindness, you can't do it on the bench... You have to be active. And you know what? The Lord's not given us permission to sit on the sidelines in the body of Christ. We're involved with one another. We see each other every week. And some of you see each other more than just one day a week. You're involved in each other's lives a good bit. So the idea of this verb here is to express kindness to others, and that means I have to get down and dirty involved in the lives of other people. And by the way, seniors, might I encourage you of this? That getting involved in the lives of others, it's easy to get involved in the lives of those that we get along with. You know where I'm going with this? But it's difficult when I sit across the sanctuary and go, you see the dude over there? Not too fond of him. You see the lady over there? Not too fond of her. God does not give us permission to push away people in the body of Christ. Doesn't do it. 
Think about what the disciples hanging out with each other for three and a half years. What that must have been like. That's why Peter asked the question he does when we turn to it in a little while. When you're involved with people, there's going to need to be times of forgiveness. Well, so he talks about kindness and the importance of expressing that kindness. During the Civil War, you guys remember a guy named Abraham Lincoln, right? You know who he is. You study, I know the seniors do. Any of you want to come up here and tell us about him? No volunteers? Abraham Lincoln often visited hospitals to cheer up soldiers. On one occasion, he saw a young boy who was near death. Is there anything I can do for you? Asked the president. The boy said, could you write a letter to my mother? The chief executive sat down and wrote as the boy told him what to say. The letter read, my dearest mother, I was badly hurt while doing my duty and I won't recover. Don't sorrow too much for me. May God bless you and Father. The young boy was too weak to go on. So Lincoln signed the letter for him and then added this postscript. Written for you, written for your son by Abraham Lincoln. Asking to see the note, the soldier was astonished to discover who had shown him such kindness. Are you really our president? He asked. Yes, was the quiet answer. Now, is there anything else I can do? The boy feebly replied, Will you please hold my hand? I think it would help me, help to see me through until I die. And the tall, gaunt man granted his request offering words of encouragement until the boy died. I've read that and I'm like, hey, the President of the United States, our Lord and our God has given us a command, kindness. His office is higher than the President of the United States. He's God of all creation. And as we sang, He owns us. Well, for our consideration in regard to kindness, you're really going to like this. The word kind is related to the word kin. Ugh. And we know how easy it is to be around our family at times. And all God's children said, amen, right? But when you do those word studies, you come up with all kinds of stuff. Well, then he says, be kind to one another. Then it says tender-hearted. The word there is the word compassion. The word means to be merciful or to have a heart of compassion. It means not being hard-hearted. <laughs> the word picture, look at this. The word picture is of having strong, healthy bowels. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit more about that word and how the Greeks thought of that. 
The root word of tender-hearted was used by the Greeks to refer to the upper, upper abdominal viscera, the heart, the lungs, liver, and upper bowels. Great. Which they regarded as the seat of affection or emotion. The word refers to a deep caring comparable to the modern day expressions like this. Broken hearted or gut wrenching. In other words, it's caring with our whole beings. Our whole being is involved. That's the idea of the word. And it's not just used here in the book of Ephesians. It's used in a list similar to the list in Colossians chapter 3. Where Paul writes this, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of what? Compassion. And look at that other word that shows up. Kindness. Humility, gentleness, and patience. And by the way, do you know what goes with a heart of compassion? Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. <laughs> just goes together. The only other time the word is used is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, where Peter uses it there in referring to being kind-hearted. I really like this, seniors. This is very important, and I want to talk about this just for a minute. I don't know who to give credit to, but the secret of the compassionate heart lies in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Now, that's very, 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 very important. You know there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. Class. There's a difference. Relationship I have with the Lord Jesus Christ started the moment I trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. The fellowship piece is what goes on from there. It's my daily walk. We talk about it a lot of times in terms of walking. It's my daily walk with the Lord. It's spending time with Him. It's that fellowship that I need. I need that fellowship with the Lord every day because I need his guidance. Listen to me, seniors. You're about to enter the world and you're going to be pulled from every direction there is. And people that you meet, guess what's going to happen? You're going to develop relationships with them. But do you know what happens to you and every other person at night? It may not happen for a long time, but you go to sleep. And you know one that's never going to sleep on you and slumber? That wants fellowship with you all the time? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's always available. So if you're up at 2 in the morning studying or cramming for an exam like I used to do. I used to cram for exams. I was not a good work ahead. Two weeks before studying for a test that was in two weeks. I'm like, eh, I got plenty of time. And the night before we would order pizza in the dorm at Southeastern. And we would eat pizza and study. The eating pizza was great. The study was, ah. But listen to me, seniors. Do you know who's with you every waking moment in your life that desires that fellowship? The Lord Jesus Christ. And do you know how he speaks into your life? The Word of God. That's how he speaks into your life. He speaks into your life his Word. His Word. So the secret is fellowship. And if you want a verse to look up this afternoon, look up 1 John 1, 1 through 4. And he talks about fellowship. Fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. 
All right, now we come to the big daddy. Forgiving. A few observations about this. Look at verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Let me give you a few things to think about. I want you to notice that Paul is more detailed in the third command. The first two, he says, just be kind to one another, tender-hearted. And so you have to do the word studies to understand the depth. But here he says, forgiving each other, and then he puts something on the end of it. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And he's writing to who? Believers. He's already done that for them. He's already forgiven them. Just like if you're a believer today, he's already forgiven you. So how in the world can we do anything else than forgive our brothers and sisters? That ain't make any sense, does it? Well, let's look at the word meaning. The word meaning here, the word forgiving means to extend grace. It means to cancel a debt. And we're going to look at a story here in a minute about that. Vine in writing about charizomai. Isn't that a cool word? I had to put that in there just because I love the way it sounds. Charizomai, the word forgiving. Charizomai means to bestow a favor unconditionally. Underline that. I should have bolded that. Unconditionally, to forgive a debt. In each case, the idea of a free, unconditional act is involved. Free and unconditional. There's no conditions attached. There's no strings attached, guys. It's, I, I forgive you, but... How many of us have done that? Even in our minds. I can look at my wife, I forgive you, and then have strings going, yeah, I forgive you, but you need to show me. You ever done that? Sure you have. You're human, I'm human. We've done that. But the idea of the word isn't that. It's free and it's unconditional. The present tense emphasizes the continual practice of forgiving. And, and someone might say, are you kidding me? The same person over and over again? Isn't there a cutoff? Don't I ever get to a point where it's just like, hey, Lord, I can't forgive this believer anymore. We'll find out in a minute what the Lord thinks about that. The mood of the verb pictures the believers initiating the action. In other words, if you have aught with your brother, you need to initiate the action. One of you does. It needs to happen. I remember years ago having aught with one of my brothers. I was in a restaurant. Some things were said. And I remember... Thinking, when I left, to avoid conflict, I went home. I didn't want it to go any further. So, I went home. I got home, and guess who was still home? The Lord was still home. And he's beating on me, and he's saying, Hey, Thaddy, you need to go make this right with your brother. Even though in your mind you may be right, you need to go make it right. You know what I did? I went to his house, and it was late at night. And I knocked on the door. And you know what happened? My brother was waiting for me right at that door, weeping. 
waiting for me to get there. Guys, unforgiveness will kill you. It'll happen. Wayne Barber says, The mood of the verb indicates that we as new men and women in Christ are to initiate the decision to put on the garment of forgiveness. We're to initiate it. You know, we take communion next week. I'd say between now and next week, we need to be right with our brothers. Well, last point here is that the command to forgive is based on the doctrine that we have been forgiven. And it's said here, but not, not only here in Ephesians, but in Colossians chapter 3. Both places. Look at it. Look what it says. In Ephesians 4 verse 32. He writes this. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Then you turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Listen to what it says. Colossians chapter 3. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you. It's been done. Past tense. With continuing effects. Isn't it nice to know that we wake up every day forgiven? At least by one, if you know the Lord. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. So, it brings up the question. How has the Lord forgiven? There's two words right there. His forgiveness is full and His forgiveness is final. It's full and it's final. I think one of the greatest illustrations of this is found for us in Matthew 18. I want you to go with me to the Gospel of Matthew. I want you to see this. Young people, Matthew 18, turn in your phones, however you do that, right? Click that little button and take you to Matthew 18. Verse 21 of Matthew 18. Look at this. Peter came to him. Said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? He's got two questions here. Not just one. There's two. How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now remember the circle that Peter's in. All those disciples... Wouldn't you think that in the three years plus that they were together, they got on each other's nerves just a bit? Remember one time they're even having this argument about who's the greatest. That must have been something. There's no telling what kind of conversations are going on with these guys all the time. And Peter says, hey, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And then he says, up to seven times, question mark. Rabbinical teaching said up to three times. That's what the rabbis would teach. So look what Peter did. He ups the ante, right? I mean, he must have been pounding himself on the chest going, hey, it's not just three, Lord. How about seven? Up to seven times? Surely that's good enough. 
Right? The number seven is the number of completion. Surely that's it. Because the rabbis would say after three times, nah, no reason to forgive. And Peter's going, hey, how about seven? Can't you see Peter? I mean, he's got the personality. My goodness, read the Gospels. He must have been going up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, ouch. I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Seniors, what's 70 times seven? Thank you very much, but you're not a senior. (laughs) It concerns me that the one who's not the senior answered the question. 70 times seven seniors? Oh, my goodness gracious. Y'all need to go back to school. We need to tell your professors, hey, they didn't get it in math. It's 490. 490 times. What in the world is the Lord telling Peter? You know what he's telling him? Over and over and over and over and over and over. I won't do it 490 times. And over and over and over. I want to tell you something. Being a part of the family of God, we should be willing to forgive 490 times. Plus 490 more. Plus 490 more. What God expects. Look what it says. So he tells him a parable. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle the accounts with his slaves. So he had some working for him that apparently had more responsibility. He said when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents, which was, I mean, it's just a, a number that's outside the box. There's no way the slave could have paid him, ever paid him the debt he owed. It was worth 15 years of wages. One talent, one single talent. And he's saying he owed him how much? 10,000 talents. Well, he ain't going to be able to pay him back. As when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, verse 25. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold. Got to get something. Along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So strip the dude of everything, right, that he did have, sell it all, sell him, his wife, his kids, everything. (laughs) Why? So the repayment can be made. Verse 26, So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. Whoa. And the Lord, look at this, This is an amazing response. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Does that remind you of something? Does me. Do you know every sinner had a debt they could not pay? Christ settled that debt once for all. And some who receive the Lord Jesus Christ will benefit from that. 
Those that don't will die in their sins. And they're going to pay. That's verse 28. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves. It's amazing what takes place. He found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. The denarii was a full day's wage. So in comparison to what he owed, owed his master, that's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. That slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him. That was a grateful slave. Saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's exactly what he just did. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. And then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? Answer, yes. And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers. That doesn't sound real good. You know, you think that, sound, that doesn't sound real good. Until he should repay all that was owed to him. My heavenly Father, look at this. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from the heart. Ouch. I'm not huge on torture at all. How about you? Not. But you know what unforgiveness will do? It will torture you. Torture you. In ways past really explaining. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you. Imagine Peter must have been going, okay, I just had this little short question. And the Lord gives him through this illustration, hey, Peter, forgive over and over and over and over and over again. And this is what's going to happen if you don't. Young people, I don't know why the Lord led me to talk to you about forgiveness. You hadn't lived a whole lot of life yet. But you're, with the help of the Lord, going to live a long life. And I can tell you this. I'm sure the issue of forgiveness has come up already in your life. And it will continue to. Even in the body of Christ. Over and over and over and over again. There's a story of two brothers. Listen to this. Two brothers that shared adjoining farms. For over 40 years, they worked side by side, sharing equipment and helping each other out whenever needed. Then one day, a rift developed. It began with a small misunderstanding and it grew into a major difference. And finally exploded into an exchange of bitter words followed by months of angry silence. One day the eldest brother, Pete, 
was out in the fields when a guy pulled up. Out jumped a man who approached Pete carrying a carpenter's toolbox. I'm looking for a few days of work, he said. Perhaps you would have a few small jobs I could do for you. Well, yes, I do, said Peter. See that creek down there? It's the border between my brother's farm and mine. My brother keeps it nice and deep to stop me from setting one foot on his beloved farm. Well, I'll oblige him. I want you to take that timber over there by the barn and build me a new fence, a real tall one, so I don't have to look over at my stinking brother in his farm no more. The carpenter was glad to have the work. No worries, he said. I understand. Just uh, point me to your post hole digger and I'll get the job done. So the carpenter set about working. Meanwhile, Farmer Pete drove into town to the cattle auction. And when he returned at sunset, he was shocked to see what the carpenter had done. There was no fence. Instead, the carpenter had built a bridge. Walking across it was Pete's younger brother. He held out his hand and spoke to his brother, Pete, after all I've done to you these past few weeks, I can't believe you'd still reach out to me. You're right, it's time to bury the hatchet. The two brothers met at the middle of the bridge and embraced. They turned to see the carpenter hoist his toolbox over his shoulder. No, wait! Stay a few days. I've got a lot of other projects for for you, said said Farmer Pete. I'd love to stay on, the carpenter said, but I have more bridges to build. Forgiveness is not optional for believers. I don't say that. The book says that. I want you to watch this video. It's a couple of minutes long. And there's just a few things there that are good reminders for us as it relates to the issue of forgiveness.
about to cry. <laughs> I was thinking about the verse, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And so this morning, if you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have trusted Jesus to save you from your sins, you have the power in Christ to forgive others. Isn't that incredible? That is incredible. Can I share a praise real quick? It has little something to do with forgiveness. I was sitting with my brother-in-law who's dying of um, something like ALS. I think it's called ALS. I sat with him yesterday and uh, just shared the gospel with him. Don't, I didn't know if he knew the Lord. And um, he, he, very debilitating disease, what he has. And so he can barely talk. He can barely function. And uh, I just said, Matt, look into my eyes for a second. And I asked him if he had trusted Jesus to save him from his sin. And he mumbled, I've trusted him. I just want to share that with you guys. You can praise God with me this morning that another one knows Christ. I don't know if you knew him before or after I shared the gospel, but um, this disease is going to take his life. And he knows the Lord. And I'm so, so thankful this morning. The song we're about to do, we've done it before. It's about that forgiveness. Guys, just listen to the words as we sing Scandal of Christ. Scandal of grace, you died in my 
All right, seniors, I've got one more thing to say to you. In that passage of Scripture, if you go through 4, 5, and 6 of the chapters, you're going to see in chapter 5 
that the only way you can do any of that, forgiving and kindness and tenderness, the only way it's going to happen is you're controlled by the Spirit of God. That's it. You're not going to do it in your own strength. And here's what happens when you try to do things, and I try to do things in my own strength. We quit. We get exhausted. But the Spirit of God, He's your helper. That's what the Bible says. And He can help you through those times when you need to be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving, remembering that the Lord Jesus Christ forgave you one time. And it's good for all, full and final. I love you, every one of you. My door is always open unless I'm not there. <laughs> and I got sweet tarts on my desk. You can come in and sit anytime you want to, and I'm happy to listen to you. All of us in here accept the responsibility of praying for you guys. All right, praying that the Lord will direct your steps and your path. Well, church, um, I know you're in John 19 if you've been taking the challenge to read through the Gospel of John. And if you know John, you know there's only a couple more chapters. But this is how grace works. If you're not up to chapter 19 yet, let's say you're only in chapter 8, that's fine. You know, May has 31 days. Then grace is cut off. No, I'm kidding. Um, Catch up and read through the Gospel of John. It's a great challenge. The next book that we're going to read through as a church, if you take that challenge, the book of Genesis. We're going to break it up into two months. That's called grace because there's 50 chapters in Genesis. And some of them are rather long chapters, let's say. So in the month of June, we'll read 25 chapters. In the month of July, we'll read the other 25 chapters. The good part is in June, you'll have five extra days. In July, you'll have six extra days, all right? So it works out for all of us. But I trust that it's been helping you in terms of just staying in the Word. I know it's been good for me. And um, so today you should be in chapter 19. But if you're not, it's okay. You can catch up. And if you've already read through chapter 21, praise the Lord, start Genesis. Okay? So uh, let's all stand and let's close our time together in prayer. Lord, oftentimes as we read your word, we are met with tremendous challenges as it relates to walking with you each day. One of those is found there in verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you and I imagine as those Ephesian believers read that, read that whole chapter, they were like, oh my goodness, there's so much here to consider because we're different people if we belong to you. We're new creatures in Christ and it's no longer um, us that's controlling, but Lord, your spirit indwells us and wants to control every thought we have, every word we speak. And we know this side of glory, Lord, we're going to, We're going to sin. That's just going to happen. We're thankful that there's forgiveness. And I pray, Lord, that as you forgave, which was full and final, Lord, we would find ourselves forgiving others. And that we would initiate that. And and look at it. Take that upper road. This is 
this relationship's not like the relationship with someone in the world. This is a other believer. And so we can sit across from one another and we can wrestle through these things and come to forgiveness that's full and final. And forgiveness frees us. And Lord, I pray that you would have us to think through this today and this week. Lord, that with the help of your Spirit, if there are people that we need to see, that you'd help us to initiate that. And that you would help us, Lord, to look for those opportunities to be kind and tenderhearted. I thank you for these seniors who graduate. Some have already done that and who will graduate this week. Lord, I pray that you will direct their steps each and every day, that they would submit to you every day, that their mind would be to glorify you. Lord, we're thankful for them, thankful for the youth leaders who poured their lives into these students. And I pray for them as well as they continue to work with the youth ministry, Father, that you would guide their steps, that you would be the one that leads them. Thank you for each one that's here, for those visiting today that were a part of uh, this time with their, their, um, their kids who are graduating. I just thank you for their presence here today. Lord, and I pray that everything that has been done today um, was, was honoring to you because we, above all, want to honor and glorify you. And all these things we pray in the precious name of Christ and for his sake. Amen. You are dismissed.